Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Warning, this podcast contains spoilers for HBO's The Last of Us Episode 3. Plus, at the end of that conversation, we're going to have a spoiler-filled conversation that will uh, spoil The Last of Us video game. So if you have finished The Last of Us video game, you will be able to listen to that conversation. And if you don't care about that, you will also be able to listen to that conversation. Don't worry, we're also going to call that out. Very, very loudly, very, very <laughs> obviously when we get a to lot. that point in the conversation to give you an opportunity to hit stop and move on. You have been warned. My name is Jason Concepcion. And I'm Rosie Knight. And welcome to X-Ray Vision, the crooked media podcast where we dive deep into your favorite shows, movies, comics, and pop culture. In this episode, we are going to be digging into the airlock on one of the most heartbreaking episodes of TV that you will see in a long time, The Last of Us Episode 3. I'm I'm ready, but I'm not ready. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely a, like... A little bit of a devastating hit to take on a Sunday, like Ooh. at 10 o'clock at night, to like turn that off and be like, fuck, now I got to go to sleep? Yeah, like, what, what do I do with my life yeah. now? Uh, and in Nerd Out, we got a very exciting Star Wars theory from one of oh, our I listeners. Well, let's get into it. We're stepping out of the airlock and... Into the beautiful scenic streets of Billstown for the heart-wrenching third episode of HBO's The Last of Us. What what an incredible hour of television titled Ooh. Long, Long Time, written by Craig Mazin, directed by Peter Hoare. Um, it's just an incredible hour of storytelling. We open 10 miles west of Boston. It's early morning. Joel, as his as is his extremely compartmentalized way... Uh, has gone off alone to mourn Tess. He makes a cairn on the banks of a river, and he goes back to the campsite that he's sharing with Ellie. Um, Ellie is torn by the loss of Tess and her potential culpability for that, Um, but she's holding it together, and already just seeing them, there's signs that Joel is warming to her despite the fact that he, yeah, he doesn't he's want treating her with frostiness. He he's letting her use her jacket as a blanket. He shares his food, presumably Tess's, Tess's food. food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, with her. it's an uncomfortable alliance, but Joel, he, he remembers what Tess's last words were. You know, he knows this was important to Tess, right. even if he kind of resents Ellie for... I mean, he's a working man... And he's a man that will do the job, whether or not it's a job he enjoys. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a really good way of putting it. Actually, it's very Joel. He's he's never really changed over these twenty years. No, no, no. It's like, did he love working as a contractor? I no. doubt it. Did he do it? <laughs> did he do it? He yes. did it. <laughs> um, 
Ellie says, I've never been in the woods. More bugs than I thought trying to make small talk. Uh, Joel doesn't want to make small talk. doesn't want to make any kind of talk He doesn't want to be talking. No Um, talking. But Ellie clearly wants to, like, preempt any kind of test talk and get something off her chest. She points out, and I think pretty justifiably. I love this moment. I thought it was, like, it really sets up who Ellie is. Absolutely. She basically says, hey— don't blame me for this. Like, that was terrible what happened. She's like, you made a choice. You, you and Jess chose to come. You wanted your battery or, or car, whatever, whatever it, was. it was. And you made a choice and that's what happened. So don't yeah. blame me. And so you didn't have to take me. You mm-hmm. you, you made that choice. Uh, none of this is my fault. And they move on in silence. It's a five-hour walk to wherever they're headed. Ellie asks Joel if he has gone this way a lot. Just trying to make conversation. She asks about the scar on his head, which he says he got in a shootout. The guy missed, and he missed as well. And she's like, well, is that, you know, is that because you suck at shooting? Or just <laughs> She's like, oh, but you're allowed to have a gun. <laughs> like, right, well, and where's my gun? She's like, where's, can, I, can I, I notice you have two guns, so what's up? How's a gun? There's two of us. I have no gun. You have two guns. Can we share? No, that's a hard no on. Absolutely uh, not. On firearm socialism. They arrive <laughs> at a Cumbies. A Cumberland Farms, wow. a staple of New England life. I was gonna say that was a that was a you've been there. A choice. Oh, yeah, yeah, they were to... like this is like they were like this is real. Um, Joel is like I got a cache of of stuff hidden here. We're gonna need it. Um, and they, here we get a moment ripped from the game. Ellie sees a, a Mortal Kombat game now, a Mortal Kombat game in the in the show, not. What was it? Ninja something It was too? Angel Eyes. Angel, was the Eyes? Ma- Angel Knives was the main character. Right. And it was kind of a very brutal video game with like a black lead who had like Wolverine type claws. Yeah, right. And she and Ellie knows everything about Mortal Kombat, which they don't give the backstory here. But I would assume it's the same from the game, which is she knew somebody at who knew the Fedra Orphanage who knew all about it. And she just really wishes she could play it. Meanwhile, Joel is like, where did I hide myself? and ellie calls him out on it and he says i'm zeroing in on it all right i'm just like zeroing in on wherever i hid my stuff so ellie heads off this reminded me of 28 days later the moment where they stop at a like a roadside gas station and killian murphy goes off on his own just to do whatever ellie heads off on her own she finds a trap door she goes down it Clever plan. Great plan. I don't know how she was planning to get up quickly if she (laughs) needed to, but that's fine. She finds a fresh box of tampons, which is total score. Yeah, I mean, that's like worth a million dollars in the zombie apocalypse. Worth more than baggies, probably. (laughs) And then she hears the, uh, the trademark sound of an infected somewhere, and she swings her flashlight over. And there is one trapped by collapsed debris. And this is a really interesting moment where Ellie takes... The opportunity provided by the safety, the fact that this infected is trapped, and the privacy to, like, test whether she can kill a thing, basically. You know, can I kill this thing? And there's a really, there's this kind of, like, really clinical moment where she cuts open its head to see what's underneath. And because also I think as well that's that moment of self-discovery, of wondering what would happen to her or is that already inside her? Like But it also has this scariness to it of that disconnect from humanity of a kid who's grown up around this who can just cut open a living being's face and then you kind of wait and there's this moment of silence that almost goes too long before she actually kills it and there's kind of this connection oh it's really creepy yeah it really resonated with me in that 
you know, I'm sure as a kid, people have had the experience of like the kids in the friend group who are like, oh, let's burn caterpillars with a mm-hmm, magnifying mm-hmm. glass or let's kill this Yeah, the frog, creepy kids. The creepy kids, right? And it felt like here is this moment, Joel's not around, nobody's mm-hmm. around, where she can kind of let the creepy kid out. Especially because she's around these adults who kill people all the time. All the time. And there's this boundary that she's testing here, but obviously— Can I do it? Can I do it? And the infected is trapped like an animal, kind of yeah. trapped under glass. It's a really intense moment. It and really Bella is just very, very intense. absolutely delivers on it. I mean, there's that moment where she— points the blade of the knife at it to see, like, is it going to be afraid? Is there any recognition that it's in danger right now? Um, And then you sensed an almost relief that there wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Meanwhile, back upstairs, Joel found his stuff, and now he's hiding his assault rifle because there's no ammo, and so it's basically useless. So Ellie's like, wait, hold on a second. He's like, "Uh, if you're just, like, throwing it in a hole— can I have it? <laughs> um, Joel says no. They walk on. They pass an uh, airplane crash. Joel insists. Hey, flying wasn't actually that cool. It wasn't that great. It was pretty. You had to take off your shoes, which I can't even explain to you <laughs> what that was about. That's a whole thing. It's a whole different time. Yeah. And like you had to sit in the middle seat and pay $12 or whatever it is for a, for a sandwich, which do you even understand what money was, was? worth? <laughs> <laughs> does that have any? Does that have any? Uh, does that ring a bell at all? And Ellie's like, "Dude, you got to go up in the sky." Yeah, and he's like, "And they got to go up in the sky too, and they yeah. crashed." So, it, classic optimistic Joel there. It reminds me of um, Station Eleven when mm-hmm. they're explaining the internet to yeah. the kids. Like, so you could just like look up anything. It was just like having every book in the world yeah. just in your pocket. Like, it's yeah. like, yeah, it was actually. I guess now when you say it that way, it's it pretty, cool. pretty cool. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, he then they start talking about like, OK, what was the fall like? And, and a conversation actually that we've been having in our discord and have and fans have been having, which is how did this thing start? Like if the infected have to bite people, it must have there. How did who's it's the first a chicken and an egg question? Yeah. But what Joel kind of reveals here, and this is different from the game, is this was like a day. In the game, it's over months, but here he's like, it was dun-dun-dun. Yeah. It was in, the theory is, which we've talked about, I don't want to say we were right, but we were right. Um, (laughs) Our Discord certainly was right. Our Discord was definitely (laughs) right. Um, But basically, like, it was in, it had been in the food, it had been in the wheat, and people started to get sick, and it just happened really quickly. So something I think is really interesting about this reveal is that means that where we saw the doctor in Jakarta last episode, that was probably... Ground zero. That was probably ground zero, and that was probably the beginning. And by the time that Sarah and Joel and Tommy heard about it, that was when it was starting to spread. So he says, yeah, like it it probably was a very, very basic food stuff. Got into the food supply, hit supermarket shelves on a Thursday. This is 2003. People bought it, used it made raisin cookies out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, biscuits. Infe- biscuits and infected themselves. And then the next day, late Friday, September 26, 2003, the shit absolutely hit the fan. And by Monday, it was all gone. Um, they later cut across. They they come to a stretch of the path where Joel's like, let's cut across the woods. There's something up there that I don't want you to see. And Ellie's like, what? Like, like you murder a guy? Like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it gonna be? Is it something that can hurt me? She, he's like, no. And he's like, then I want to see it. 
So they go, and it is a mass grave. And what we learn is that in the chaos and confusion of outbreak day, post-outbreak day, and this is now a week after outbreak day, Joel says this happened, the military went small towns across the country evacuating people, telling them you're going to a QZ. And that was true. But if there was no room at the QZ, you were going to a mass, mass grave. grave where you were going to get yeah. gunned down. And that was it. And Ellie says, why? Why not just like leave them? And Joel says, because it's dead, dead people, people don't. can't get infected. Exactly. X-ray vision will be back. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. And we're back. We flash back to 9.30, 2003. Um, federal forces are evacuating a town, which... Man, they got that together pretty quickly. Oh, they were ready. They were ready. The conspiracy theorists probably have a lot of thoughts about how quickly they were able to uh, militarize and evacuate these towns. I mean, there's a lot of questions, right? Just to pause here, it's like, number one, did the president eat any bread <laughs> like on Thursday night? You know, like how in the Who's in terms in charge? of like the civilian leadership, like who what's left? How do you, how do you get let's say this did happen and you're telling some kind of military force. Okay, you got to round people up and take them to the QZ, and those that don't make it, you just kind of like, I'm, I'm asking you to be a mass murderer. You have to imagine that, like, a large number of people wouldn't do this, right? It, I, I would say, this is my cynical 2023 yeah. opinion, it would depend where you were getting them from. Right. There are certain places in, in the way that they militarize the country where there would probably be people who would be more eager and also... Uh, it's a life or death situation, you know. Yeah. It's it's. Could you do that? I mean, also, is it a real martial law? Is the president still there ordering that, or are these just segments of the army that are left? Is there? I would love to know that. This is the most. I find this all the storytelling choices in this show so brave. I'm so happy from the beginning. I said I want season one to be the first game, and that's what they're doing. But I w I could also watch a whole series just about the establishment of Fedra. Yeah, and. How, who is in charge? Who's making those decisions? Who's setting up the QZs? Right. How would they know? How quickly could they do that? What was a QZ and how did they get to be the places that they were? Like, was it just a space in town? And how did you keep the infected out? And before you had the tests, how did you know who was infected? There's just so many interesting questions. And that kind of brutality of these like burnt mass graves is like, is just so horrific. But it seems as Joel said, that that was basically as normal as anything else at the time. Like, people, it just began and people accepted it. George W. Bush about to eat a piece of toast and a Secret Service guy and Andy Card come up and slap <laughs> the fucking toast <laughs> out of his hand. Um, so we flash back to September 30th, 2003. This town is being evacuated. We see on the evacuation truck the, the woman and 
her child that are eventually are going to be skeletons in this yeah. mass grave. And watching all of this from his underground bunker, which has is fully self-sufficient and it has like full CCTV uh, of like CCTV the whole town. and a secret entrance yeah. below the basement is a uh, bill. And he's been waiting for this. He's been waiting he for knew. this for years. He, he thought this would happen someday. And unfortunately, he was right. Um, he's, he whispers, not today, you new world order jackboot fucks. <laughs> and they come knocking on his door. They kick down his door, presumably, and they don't find him. They don't find he's him. He's deep in the basement. He's, he's safe. So the coast is clear and Bill emerges and it's party time. It's time to set up shop. He he gets his neighbor's boat. He rips everything out of the boat so he can use it as like a trailer. He's gathering supplies from Home Depot. He's getting all the best wines. He's taking everything from the grocery store that he needs. He goes to the nearby power plant and makes sure the gas is on. Yeah, he's he's just loving life. He's setting up this whole street to become his home. It's kind of idyllic uh, post-apocalyptic suburb. It's a beautiful deal. He sets up a defensive perimeter anchored by an electric fence. He got the electricity on with uh, with a generator. He's got lots of traps, man traps, fire traps. He's got traps, traps that are shooting zombies if they come close. He's, he's digging a lot of holes. Saws, circular saw oh, yeah. traps. This guy is he, he loves making the traps. He is a saw. I was gonna say he's <laughs> he's got big jigsaw energy. Yeah. He would do well as a serial killer if the apocalypse had not happened. And he's also a gourmand. He plants a garden. He enjoys the finer things in He's life. He's got chickens. He's got some pork shoulder, pork butt, ready to He's ready got a to wine s- saute it up in a in a beautiful wine sauce. Uh, and he's he's living he's very fat, and he goes on like this for four years, scouring the nearby area for supplies when he needs, and returning to his little fortress town. Then one day he's alerted by his security system that uh, an infected he thinks has fallen into one of his his pit traps around the perimeter. He goes over. To see what's what's occurred, and it's a guy who uh, is named Frank, and Frank has just escaped a couple days ago, escaped from the Baltimore QZ, which apparently has been overrun, and he's trying to make his way to Boston, and he was in a party of ten, and now it's a party of one, just Frank, and uh, Bill, very very wary, gun always at the ready, lets Frank out of the pit, and then Frank who we are going to learn is just a very, very charming person who is eager to make connections with other Mm -hmm. people and eager to show his worth as a person who makes connections, makes a connection with Bill and says, hey, listen, I'm kind of starving, and if I could just, like, have a meal, that would be great. And Bill... Really against his better judgment. Yeah, I just want to say, Bill says like my one of my favorite lines here, which is like, I really feel like they were, they were just like, this is Nick Offerman playing Bill, and I really feel like they were Tim. They were like, you can just play it like if Ron Swanson was in a drama, because he, because because Frank's like, oh, could I just have one meal? I haven't eaten for two days, and then he's like, I realize that doesn't sound very long, yeah. and Bill's like. You can't just come here and get a free meal. This right. isn't an Arby's. If you yeah. go, people are going to be coming Arby's here. Arby's a restaurant. And then and and Frank's like, Arby's a restaurant. There yeah. was there was no free meals. And they kind of have this banter. And eventually, like Bill decides he's going to let Frank in. He also says, Bill, that well, listen, if I let you in, everyone else let is going to come here. You're going to tell every hobo in the area. <laughs> that, Frank's that I, like, I won't tell any hobos which, or vagabonds or drifters. Which this should be our first. Like, hint that 
Bill and Joel are on parallel tracks. Remember mm-hmm. Joel on Outbreak Day passing a family in the road? No, keep fucking going. We're not stopping. Bill, had Frank not come into his life, is that guy who would not have stopped yeah. for anyone. Um, so uh, Bill lets Frank in. He lets him wash up. Hot water. It's fantastic. He gets an extra He's five so minutes excited. to just go, just go to have a shower. crazy in the shower. And then they have a meal that is so much better than anyone could have expected I mean, in the apocalypse. Frank has definitely never eaten a meal that good in like seven years. Even before the apocalypse, he was probably not eating that good. Like Bill makes a Michelin star meal and he brings out the best wine and you start to suddenly realize that Frank is not the only person who's seeking connection. Like yeah. Bill might be scared of making a connection, of trusting someone else, but having this person in his house, he's taking it seriously. He wants to be a, a good host and it's it's really sweet. And Nick Offerman just gives the most unbelievable performance that is so endearing and awkward. And as he kind of opens up to this idea that he's not alone, even just for this one night, he kind of starts to spread his wings. He shows off the way he goes. And Frank is like the most enthusiastic guest. Like he is so happy to have the shower, to eat this delicious food, to drink the wine. Like it's, yeah, it's just really, we're the talking, two of them are so good together. We're in this. talking leg of rabbit with uh, with garden vegetables. Uh, it's got a jus. With au jus, with, paired with a Beaujolais, as Frank notes. To be, like, oh my God, the wine and, and, and protein pairing is perfect. Uh, then Frank is like, well, I guess I should leave. But before I leave, I want to play your piano, which I've been looking at this whole time. And he goes over and he goes through the music books that he has there. It's a lot of old people shit. But then there is a, mu- a Linda Ronstadt yeah. uh, music book. Uh, and Frank sits down, kind of hacks his way through a version of Linda Ronstadt's Long, Long Time. Uh, Bill is like, Bill, who we should note by the meal and his reaction to this has very high standards for everything. And he's like, no, <laughs> he's you're, like, you're fucking ruining the he's song. He's playing it Let like me the jauntiest it. shit. It's like, dun, 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 dun. This really chunky, yeah. like, upbeat. And Bill is like, no, absolutely no, no. It's not. It's a ballad, my friend. So then Bill plays it. And let's be, let's be honest. Bill's rendition not appreciably better than Frank's. No, but it's, it's like. I'm sorry. It's more. Uh, it's more heartfelt. It's more heartfelt. It's more and, heartfelt. In, and you can tell there's this message that Bill. Frank, he just wanted to hack away at a piano and sing a song that you yeah. like. But Bill is like... There's a, lo- there's a there's longing a, there. There's yearning. And Lots Frank, of yearning. Frank notices the yearning and he says, well, who's, who's the girl that you were singing about? And Bill's like, there's no girl. And Frank is like, I know. And they kiss. And they become lovers that night. And years pass and they become romantic partners. Um, and then we go three years later. Bill and Frank are now experiencing the kind of normal growing pains of a long-term relationship. There's but in the hilarious context of like the, the post-apocalyptic the It's like Frank, Frank wants to like do up the house yeah. and do up the street and do up the boutique and he wants to kind of create a space where other people can come and be safe because he sees the worth of what Bill has built and Bill is like absolutely fucking not. Right, well he saves that for last. First, you know, wisely I think Frank says, hey, I live here too, this is my home too. Yeah, this is my street. I, 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 all I want to do is, like, you know, do the lawns, maybe do some topiary st- uh, sculptures, paint the houses. Maybe I'll refurb. Bill's like, that's not I'll a good use the of resources. Yeah, well, fuck the resources, just exactly. the two of us. And then 
which is, you know, a little bit of the rascal of Frank, which is like, and I've saved the most troubling part for last. I want to have friends over. Wait, hold on. We can't just invite He's like, we don't have any friends. Well, we'll stop. I'll stop you there. We do because I've already been talking to them. They're coming. What? (laughs) Uh, And so then we flash to Joel and Tess having a wonderful lunch with Bill and Frank outside. Bill unable to let go of his pistol throughout the meal, just clutching it. Just pointed at Joel the whole <laughs> Frank time. Is like, I love when Frank is like, could you not, could you just like at least not cock it? <laughs> <laughs> no, also as well, surprise extra tests. Who thought we were going to get it? I'm hoping this means that this is a trend throughout that we might get flashbacks. And Tess and Frank have this super sweet connection of just two people who are longing for something better. Bill and Joel, they know. They see each well, other. They see the connection that they have because Joel says to Bill, he says to him, I'm the same as you. Yeah, like, yeah. I get it. I, I get it. I get it. Um, and Bill is angry about this, This um, the fact that there are strangers in the house. Frank goes with Tess. Oh, I want to show you the inside. And Bill is like, not the ins- not the, no, don't. And then <laughs> Frank, not the and inside. And they just go inside like, fuck you. Um, and Joel takes that opportunity of the privacy, that private moment with a gun on him to say, hey, listen, this is a relationship that can actually work. First of all, I understand you're wary of us. That's fine. But we have we have things that you will need. We have machine parts. We have medicine. That your fence is going to fail in a mm-hmm. year. I can get you galvanized wire that will last the rest of your life. Like, just think about it. And he's like, it. your lives. Because yeah. he realizes that that's really what Bill's doing. He sees that immediately, that Bill, the person he's really keeping safe is Frank. Yeah. And there's, you're so right to note that, like, Frank and Tess immediately get on mm-hmm. because what if Frank has given something to Tess? I don't, maybe it's the pistol at that time. Who knows? Tess is like, are you sure? Like, and he's like, no, this is, this is, you're going to come back and this yes. is a relationship yes. and we're going to trade. It it's a gun yeah. because we then find out what he traded it for. This is a relationship. Yeah. And by the way, I have an idea for a code. So when we get on the radio, no one will know what we're talking about and we'll use, and this and is the genesis of the pop music the code. The 80s code, yeah. Um, as they leave, Joel warns Bill, hey, listen, the, you've got a great setup here. The infected are not going to be a problem. But raiders at some point are going to get gonna wind come. of what you have. They're going to come. They're going to come at night. They're smarter than the infected. They're going to come armed and they're going to come here meaning harm. And Bill is like, don't worry about it. We go 10 years into the future now, 2013. 10 years of Billstown to 2013. The town's defensive perimeter now includes stacks of vehicles. There's, Those two, what were they doing? How were they doing There's bullet holes it? in the vehicles. Like, they were so, living it up. So we understand that there's been battles fought yeah. here. Uh, Frank, they've gotten to the point in their long-term relationship now where you start thinking about how do I keep this person around mm-hmm. as long as possible? Frank has uh, has put into place a kind of health regimen. He's getting Bill jogging. Bill is... very bad at jogging, Um, wants to keep Bill as hale and hearty as he can for the foreseeable future. And then he's like, I have a surprise for you. And it's a garden of strawberries. He got a packet of seeds for another gun. Another gun. So we know he set up some kind of gun running with Tess. And at first, Bill's like, you see the old Bill where he's like, which gun? And Frank's just like, he's like, it's a little one. Don't worry about it. And then this is, there's this whole, it's hard to, just watch the episode if you haven't watched it. I know, like, a lot of our listeners listen to us first, especially with The Last of Us, because it's scary. Yeah, don't do that. But this is an episode that is not 
This is not a scary episode. It's scary in an existential, heartbreaking way, but it's not jump scare scary. And there's so many brilliant moments, but this moment where Nick Offerman and Murray Bartlett eat these strawberries together and Bill is so happy to eat the strawberry is just so unbelievably full of joy. This was the first moment when I teared up, and then I didn't stop crying for, like, the rest of the episode. This, the first moment that I teared up is right here where, where so they've been running. Clearly, like, you know, Frank wants to keep Bill around. There's no health care out here. And Bill, understanding what Frank is doing, says, I'm sorry. For what? For getting older faster than mm-hmm. you. Um, and then— this wonderful moment where Frank puts Bill at ease, just saying, I like you older. Yeah. Like, you know, the older means we're still we're still here. Mm-hmm. And then Bill makes it a a really vulnerable admission. And it's a thing, again, if you think about Bill as as I think we do, as as a version of Joel, the kind of guy that Joel is. Yeah. But who's let love into his life. Um, he then makes this admission that I don't think Joel could ever make, which is I, I was never afraid before you showed up. Like, mm-hmm. you gave me mm-hmm. a thing to be afraid of losing. Uh, and it's this really, really vulnerable, touching moment. Um, sometime later, weeks, months, who knows, maybe years, raiders come against the town. It's definitely not the first time, as you saw yeah. by the by the cars stacked up around and the And we perimeter. see by how specific Bill's traps are. He has f- flamethrowers that are setting people on fire. Yeah. He knows where they're going to come. He knows where the weaknesses are. But Frank, I feel like, I feel like I love Frank, but I feel like Frank has not learned the lessons <laughs> that Bill would want him to learn. No, I think he's ready. I mean, like, he looked like he could, he looked like he knew his way around a pistol, oh, which definitely, clearly was Bill's doing. Definitely, definitely, But in terms of, like... Don't leave the door open. Don't be like, there was many times when I was yelling at him, but they, they you know what? They come out of it. Well, I, I will say, I think that the fact that Bill is already up shooting at these guys tells you a lot about the relationship exactly. again, which is like— Frank stays in the house. You says. stay in the house. Like, I will deal with this. Mm-hmm. You stay safe. Frank goes out to Bill, who, by the way, is, like, standing in the middle of the street shooting at guys. Go behind something. Now, Bill's, like, too—he's too rough and ready. He doesn't care. He's Get just— behind anything—literally well, anything. It would have been good for Bill if he listened to that advice, <laughs> because then he gets shot. He got shot. He got shot. So Frank helps him into the house, and here again is this wonderful, touching moment where— I love these moments where you see different, where you see either Bill or Frank take the lead in the relationship mm-hmm. and the other person let them. So here's, Bill is wounded. Lays, Frank lays him on the table. He's, he's getting some uh, wine on his hand so he can, he can touch the wound and get it ready. All the while, Bill is thinking he's done. And he's telling Frank, listen, I, I have a list ready for you. Uh, and, and Frank is like, let's keep Bill talking. Yeah, tell me about yeah, the list. Yeah, yeah, sure, the list? sure. I, I've made copies of the keys. Uh, You need to reach out to Joel because you can't be here alone. Joel will look after you. And then Frank says something really touching. We're just like, I'm not alone. You're here. Where am I going? Um, And then years pass again. And they do a really good bait and switch here. Right. Where you see these two bearded old guys and one of them is in the wheelchair and you assume it's Bill because of the shooting, but we see that it's actually Frank. And they've got to be, I mean, Bill's got to be late 60s at this point, right? And uh, time has taken a brutal toll. Frank is sick, probably cancer. He's in a wheelchair, as you noted. Um, They're spending 
as much time as they can drinking up the days in this home that they built. But then, uh, you know, they wake up one morning after going to bed together, Frank laying in bed, clearly thinking about how he's going to tell Bill what he wants to do in the morning. And then the morning comes and he says, listen, this is the last day. This is it. Yeah, because he actually even, and this is like a really powerful representation, I think, of just like, yeah, it's just something you don't get to see. He basically pulls himself out of bed and into his wheelchair, and he does it over the night. He wants to do that one yeah, thing like, himself. He's like, yeah, I he's told like, you, get back in bed. Yeah, don't do that. Like, I told you, what happens if you fall asleep? He's so worried about him. And yeah, like you said, Frank's like, no. He's like, today is the last day. And he says, here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to have a great day. I'm going to take you to the boutique. You're going to wear what I say. <laughs> You're going to wear what I pick. Right. Then you're going to make a great dinner. Uh, we're going to bring the wine out. We're going to crush some pills in the wine. I'm going to drink it. Then I'm going to fall asleep in your arms oh, in yeah. our bed. And the outfits he's picking is so they can get married. Right. And they they're going to they're gonna get married. They're going to have this ceremony, the two of them. Then they're going to eat dinner. They're going to drink a delicious wine. Then they're going to put some pills in a slightly cheaper bottle of wine so they don't ruin it. And uh, and Frank's going to kill himself, and and he wants Bill to continue on because he loves right. Bill, and uh, and we get to see this day that they share together, and it is just oof. well, this Bill is, first Bill is like absolutely is, I not. can't do it, I can't absolutely can't do it. I'm not strong enough to do that. He breaks down, but eventually, because of the love and respect and the and the relationship they've forged, which thinking back to that first argument where. Frank wants to do the lawns and paint mm -hmm. stuff and invite people over. And Bill's like, no, no, no. The basis of their relationship has been Frank pushing Bill out of his comfort mm -hmm. zone and Bill not wanting to go there, but ultimately going there because of his respect yeah. and love for Frank. And there's a great— and, and it working out. Yeah, and there's a great line here where Frank says to him, like, do you love me? And right. he's like, yeah. And he says, well, then love me the way I want, which right. is to have this day and then to—I mean— being sick is 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 so much pain just in a, a allegedly functioning society, let alone he's dealing with this in a situation where he he says to Frank, you know, there was no he says to Bill, there was no cure for this before. Right. What are this we gonna happened, do? So what yeah. are we gonna do, you know? And uh, and then they get to have this like and you know what? I I just I was so proud of Bill in this moment, which is very funny to say for a character that you've known for like 45 minutes because he just embraces it. Yeah. Like he he listens to what Frank wants and he actually gives him that day. They dress up. They dress real fancy. They spend time together. They give each other rings. And and then, you know, um, Bill cooks him the same meal that he had the first day that he ever came to his house. And he replicates it and he cooks that meal. And it is... Just such a beautiful moment. I mean, I was just crying like nonstop. It was, it was post strawberries. It was just balling, balling, balling. Like these performances, there's so much love and nuance and tenderness and complexity, and it is just such an astounding piece of television. So then the wine comes out, and uh, Frank drinks his wine. Bill watches Frank drink his wine to make sure he's drinking it. Then Bill drinks his wine, and then we Frank realizes, oh. You, there was already. There was you took some too, yeah. and, and and Bill's like, yeah, there's enough in there to kill a horse. Frank, now it's Frank's turn to get pushed out of his comfort zone. He says, you know, I don't support this. This is not what I wanted, but you know, from an objective point of view, it's very romantic. romantic. <laughs> and they go up to bed to to go to sleep together in each other's arms. 
sometime later. Probably days, a few days later, a week, two weeks, something. I think it's, weeks, it's unclear because, and it's unclear for a purpose. Right. Bill and Frank Around leave the all the windows time. open. And yeah, so, so in a recent enough time that no one else has found the house. Right. From late summer to fall, mm-hmm. Joel and Ellie arrive in the town and they find the house quiet. Um, Joel is immediately like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, the, he knows there's a problem. He The way he opens the door knowing that Bill is a trap guy mm-hmm. is very wary. He looks all around, goes to their uh, bedroom, tells Ellie, you stay right here. I'm going to go look around. Ellie finds the letter that Bill left. And, uh, and she begins to read it. Um, meanwhile, Joel is uh, looking around. He sees that... Um, Bill's car is there. That there's, there's stuff food, for a, there's, there's kind food, of rotting on the plate. There's like the ingredients for a car battery that mm-hmm. are like in place, just need to be assembled and then charged. So he's got everything he needs to continue his mission. And then he returns to the house, and Ellie's reading the letter, and Ellie reads it to him, and it's basically about you know how Bill. Uh, here's some of it. So I used to hate the world. I was happy when everyone died, but I was wrong because there was one person worth saving, and that's what I did. I saved him, and I protected him. That's why men like you and me are here. We have a job to do, and God help any motherfuckers who stand in our way. I leave you all my weapons and equipment. Use them to keep. And then she stops because it's tests written there. Um, Joel then takes the letter. He reads the rest of it. Um, and he makes a decision there that, okay, we're going to continue with this mission. He asks Ellie to see her arm. It is completely healed. And he says, okay. Here's what was up before we met. I have a brother. He was in the Fireflies. He's in Wyoming. He's in some kind of trouble. We're going there. Maybe he knows where your Firefly lab is. Um, and then Ellie's like, great. Hey, and about Tess, like now this, the letter has brought back this kind of wound of Tess. And she wants to apologize in this moment. But he stops her. He's like, don't, don't ever talk about Tess. Never mention her name. And in fact, we're never going to talk about our own history. Yeah, he's like, these are the rules. If you want to come with me, no test. And we were wondering last week if that was something we were going to see because that is a rule that Joel lays out in quite a harsh way in the game. In the game that kind of almost like sets him and Ellie back kind of away from the the journey that they'd been on together. But it, it quickly, you know, the nature of their relationship means that they quickly find new paths to kind of reconnect but yeah i was very interested to see he said no tests no talking about our pasts like we're basically just travelers on this road together but it is really interesting because it is this letter from bill that makes him decide to save ellie that's basically like to take ellie where she's going this is the letter we are here for one reason to protect people guess what that didn't happen with tess in joel's mind he's like here's this child Look at her arm. Okay, she's healed. This is real. And in that moment, he takes on that full... This is not Tess's mission that he's doing because he misses her. This is him becoming the protector, the person who is going to get her to where she needs to go. It's like a huge moment, and I think they did a really brilliant job of bringing that to life in a slightly different way than than the game. The rest of his ground rules are, you know, talk about your immunity because people, people will just kill you. People will just kill you. They'll see the bite. They'll kill you. And then third of all, you do whatever I say. Whatever I say goes, and Ellie agrees. Um, in Bill's bunker, 
Joel takes Ellie down there, and we discover that it was the, the 1980s music was from Bill and Frank. Ellie, seeing a wall of guns, asks for a gun. Again? Yeah, there's like <laughs> 50 there. Once again, no. Uh, they then gather up what they need, um, pack for the trip. Ellie's back in the house for a little while. She finds a, a gun, like either a 9mm or a, or a 22, hidden in a desk, and she keeps it. Um, and they get in the truck, which Ellie has never been in a vehicle before. She doesn't know how to put on a seatbelt. She's seat like, belt. this is like a spaceship. It's so cute. Because when you actually think about it, you're like, oh, shit, yeah, cars are pretty crazy. It's like the internet conversation. Yeah. This whole episode has big Station Eleven energy, oh, actually. It's all about, like, finding what keeps you going against, like, the most insurmountable odds. As they drive away, she puts a cassette tape in. It's uh, Linda Ronstadt's Long, Long Time. <laughs> Joel is about to be like, no, don't put any music on. I don't want any music on my... Oh, wait, wait, hold on. This is good. Uh, this is good. I want to hear the... <laughs> oh, 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 this is good. This is Linda Ronstadt. This, you, uh, this, is, this is a good one. And they drive off through the gates of town headed west. And then we get the last shot of the episode is like this, uh, a pullback through the open window from inside... Bill and Frank's bedroom window. They're in there somewhere, but you don't ever see them dead. You only see the outside uh, through the open window. And it's very, very consciously the exact same yeah, image it's a cool back of to the, the menu of the, uh, of the Last of Us menu screen. Yeah, that you have exact, to press any button every yeah. time. Um, and there it is. That's just Ooh. simply one of the best hours of television that we've seen this year. X-Ray Vision will be back. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. And we're back. First, and we're going to get into a spoiler conversation that we're going to call out. Yes. But first, I think... What is really cool about this episode is the way that Bill and Frank's relationship is like a very pointed critique of Joel and the mm -hmm. way he goes about. Think about the way he just spoke to Ellie at the end there. You do what I say. Yeah, and also like there is this, they sell it so well in the show because there's this, this is not Joel's intention. Joel is not a predator, but there is this horrible power dynamic there where he's like this adult man who's like, you will do whatever I say. What I say goes and you will have to do it if you're coming with me. There's just so much anger and fear that fuels everything that Joel does. Whereas Bill opened himself up to actually becoming somebody's partner and trusting them and believing in their agency and believing in their goodness and believing that they could bring something to their life, which is something that Joel has not managed to do since Sarah, even with Tess. Yeah. I mean, even with the letter, which I think you're right to point out is, is like a mission statement for mm -hmm. Joel. If you think about it, Joel has never done anything in this show as of yet that he's wanted to do. No. He didn't want to go... And uh, nothing's been of even his own agency. Right. He's getting dragged forward into 
one of the most formative relationships of his life, this this relationship that he's going to have with Ellie, and every step of the way, he didn't want to fucking do it. He didn't want to go. He didn't want to go with Tess. He didn't want to bring her when he met Ellie. When Tess died, he wanted. He didn't want to. He didn't want to leave Tess. Then he, he didn't probably go. was thinking, "I'm going to leave you with Bill and Frank." Yeah. They can look after you. They You're can, safe here. Yeah, I'm going to drop you there's there. Some, he says there's somebody here who owes me a favor. Yeah. And wouldn't that favor be to leave? Oh, you know what to do. You've got a car. You can take her. And I think it's, that's the part that really hit me extremely hard was that, you know, Bill could just never, if it wasn't for Frank, he never would have let anybody in his fortress town. Mm-hmm. And Joel is exactly like that. He is so beholden to his traumas and the fact that he, quote unquote, failed uh, on the night the outbreak happened, that he like can't enjoy anything. I think about that, that really telling moment where Tess says, oh, can't you just like take the good news? For once? For once? Can't you just like accept that something good happened? Like Bill got to a place where he could accept something good happened, Mm -hmm. where like he could accept that like Frank came into my life and that was really good. And now I am satisfied and I'm ready to go. Joel is like holding on to this terrible sadness and can't yeah, see and grief. Any, can't see anything else for it. And it was so smart to use the Bill and Frank relationship as this spotlight on Joel as this wounded, traumatized person who can't listen to any of the people who he cares about. He doesn't he never listened to Tess, who dragged him on this mission. He's certainly not listening to Ellie. Like, here's the thing. Okay, you don't want to give Ellie a gun, I get it. You know the open country more than she does. I get it. But why are we leaving this town right now? Like literally, why just don't stay you stay here and eat some food? Stay here for a week. Teach her how to shoot safely. How to drive a car? Yeah, teach her how to drive a car. Teach her how to do anything useful. But there's something in Joel that, because of how he failed Sarah, wants to keep the people around him not infantilized, but I think you were right to point out he wants to keep Ellie powerless in a weird mm-hmm. way. Not in any kind of, like, creepy way, No, but, but in a way of, like, I know best. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing. You don't. Yeah. I'm going to take care of you. Yeah, especially it's like we know what Bill is like. There's probably meals packed in there. There's probably food for months. There's there's all kinds of stuff in the freezer. There's there's everything you could need. You could teach her how to make traps. You could give her a different kind of weapon. You could create a melee weapon. There's a computer full of music from every decade of popular music (laughs) that existed. Like... It would, I think there is- Hot running water. He's almost, oh my God. Electricity. They should have had a shower. Why are we leaving at this very (laughs) moment? What? Like, you want to beat the snows? Like, what are we doing? You have a car now. He's almost like- Hang out. He's almost like a shark. It's like he can't stop moving. He has to just keep going forward. Because if he stops, then he's going to have to- deal with what happened to Tess. I mean, the reason Joel doesn't want to stay in that house is because he spent time with Tess there. That's why. He doesn't want to remember that he ate the food there, that they had a nice time, that they had friends. Friends that he never had, but he knows really they were friends. You get this moment where he goes outside with the letter and he, is he crying? He's kind of keening. He's He's kind of silently yelling. But it's almost there and he's out on that lawn where they spent this time together. But it is, this is one of Joel's 
silliest. Like, I'm going to be it's kind. Silly. I'm going to say this is the silliest moment because these two could have hunkered down here, even just for one night. They could you just want to grab him and go, Joel, enjoy this, my guy. Also, Look around. Joel, what is the number one thing that we all know? You know this. Everyone who's ever watched a zombie movie or any kind of post-apocalyptic story knows this. The worst thing out there is humans. Yeah. Right here, there is no humans. Take your time because wherever you're going next, it's going to go badly for you. I mean, like, you're going to come up against enemies. You're going to come up against dangerous things that are worse than the infected. So just take a minute. Not to mention, do you want Ellie as this helpless package that you have to deliver or do you want help? Mm-hmm. Because you're so right. Teach her to fucking drive. Drive a car would teach be her to so drive. useful. Make a trap. Ma- teach like, her to make a trap. Teach her to, sh- teach her to shoot a gun. Please. Just do it. You know, because you're going to be out here facing a lot of danger. Teach well, her to use know, a knife. I'm going to just teach say Teach her this. to do any amount ha- of things. Have a conversation with her. Yeah. Ask her if she knows how to shoot a gun. She grew up in a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Let's just have a conversation. But Joel is... He com- can't do it. It's a compulsion that he has to keep moving so that he doesn't have to deal with all of his loss. That's exactly... That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, wow, what an episode. Oof. What a what a punch to the chest in uh, the, on a Sunday night. How do you go to sleep after I this? know. It's literally like, it's really funny because the episode opens and it continues our expectation of what the show is going to be. Joel and Ellie, they're in a beautiful forest. They come to a kind of post-apocalyptic messed up place. They have a conversation. We learn some more about what happened with the outbreak. That is kind of the shape of the show so far. And that's great, especially because Bella and Pedro are so great. So it's like, it's not routine, but it feels immediately like we've been tripped up when they throw you into this flashback that's actually the meat of the episode. I mean, the episode's an hour and 15 minutes long, and I think the opening with Ellie and Joel is really that 15 minutes, and then you get almost this, like, hour with, with Frank and Bill, and it is just such thoughtful kind, good storytelling. And I really love the way that this expands on like the tiniest hints that were given about Bill and Frank. You know, Frank is dead in the game. Bill is alive. And we know that Frank left in a huff in the game. Frank was like, Bill got he got rid of his partner because he didn't do this, that, and the other. But that the implication was there that they were gay. But that was a gay character who had been killed off screen. You didn't know what happened. You don't really know about Bill. That's not a big major point of his life. This is, to me, I saw a lot of people saying this is a deviation. But to me, this actually just felt like like the best adaptations do. When I am playing this game now, this just feels true to me. Like, yeah, sure, I met Bill. So in this version, they didn't die together or whatever. But that relationship, that expansion of those characters and that experience that they had together, that feels so true to the game. And I I love this this feeling about um, one of my... I'd I'd written about this on Instagram about how much I like the film, but I saw something that was a really great take from one of my favorite film directors, uh, Timo Tanto, who's like this incredible Indonesian horror director. And he says like... The Last of Us was never about, like, vengeance. It was, like, about finding love that it was, you the know. The game was never about vengeance? He's like, it's not, like, the the quest is not, like, Joel on a quest for vengeance. No, no, no. He's, the he Last is, of Us 2 is that. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler. Well, and that's Sorry. a different, that's a different yeah, yeah, yeah. vengeance. Yeah, yeah. But he's like, he's like, part one, it's never about, like, vengeance. or It's about, like, finding love that it's worth being violent for. It's like, that's why you're violent. Is like, these things that you can take care of. And I kind of uh, love this. To me, I was like, it's about finding things you can love and things that help you get through. But there's also this reality of, like, 
Bill killed many, many people for Frank. Bill would kill raiders. Bill would kill the infected. Joel mu murdered multiple people on the quest for Tess. And in The Last of Us, those two things are aligned. Like, it's like, what will you do to protect the people you love? And that, obviously, as we know, and people who have played the game know, is the biggest question about well, that's a, The Last of Us. This, it's a perfect opportunity, then, to talk about the Last of Us game in a spoiler-filled way. So right now we're going to transition to a spoiler conversation for people who have finished The Last of Us game. Yes, the or Last of who Us don't one. care about spoilers. Or who this, don't care about spoilers. This will, this could potentially... We haven't seen a head in the show. We haven't seen a head, but it is most likely that this will be part of the show and will be a huge right. spoiler. So stop listening now so, if you don't want to spoil the spoiler, 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 spoiler. So for those of you who have finish The Last of Us uh, Part 1 game, or know about the ending. Let's talk about the ending now. So the ending of the game, shocking moment, you get to the lab, right, as Joel. <laughs> you, as Joel, bring Ellie to the lab. This is what you've been playing for the whole game. You've this been, is great, right? It's this time is to it. save the world, right? You're, you, uh, she is in the room with the doctors, and you discover that whatever this process is that is going to bring the immunity out of her is going to kill her. Yeah, they. I believe they have to take the fungus out of her brain. Right. That's, and it would kill her. It would kill her. And so Joel decides to kill everybody in the lab, take Ellie out. Okay. Then Ellie wakes up. And Joel lies straight to mm -hmm. her face about what happened. He's like, oh, there were so many people there who yeah. were, um, you know, who were immune and they'd never actually been able right. to find they a cure. Do so, it. Sorry. so you're free to go. Right, right. So And Ellie kind of chooses to believe Joel in that moment, I feel like. I feel I, like it's I feel like it's she does I don't feel like she know I don't feel like she thinks he's telling the truth. I feel like in that moment there's like a question there, but she knows that this is like you gotta survive. So here's what I could not stop thinking about watching last night's episode, and that is Bill and Frank, is again, is a direct criticism of Joel, and it's the way their relationship is built on this respect for each other, this love for each other that is that can allow for the other person's voice to be heard. An agency. Here, here, an agency. I, I, I get what—I get Joel being like, no, you're not killing this person that I love, mm -hmm. okay? What is fucked up to me is that you don't ask her what she wants to do. Yeah. Does she want to save the world? I, you know, like, here's what we know about Ellie is this. All throughout the game and the show thus far, Ellie is the person who cares about everyone more mm -hmm. than herself. She sees Marlene shot. She's known Marlene for three days mostly as her jailer. She's like, <laughs> oh, my God, are you okay? Tess is... Infected, they're leaving her. They've she's been together going for two to days. She's gonna die. She's like, we can't leave Tess. Mm -hmm. We can't leave her. She has that thing that Sarah has at the beginning. We should have gone back. We, we should have gone, gone back. back. We, we should have gone back. This. It. I love that read so much, and I think it is a direct critique. I also, I'm just very interested to see the route that they go with that narrative. I think it's one of the best choices of any oh, video game ever. I also think as well, I love stories. I talk about this book a lot when we talk about the show, but The Girl With All The Gifts by Mike Carey uh, is so good and it, and it ends in a very equivalent way, but with more of the agency put on the young girl in, in the center of the story. And I kind of love this idea of like, who gets to choose who lives and dies in a zombie apocalypse? And is this just the nature of evolution? Like is, should... Should Ellie die for a cure that might not work that would also end up 
killing. It's it's really interesting. But the point is, one, they do a great like Shadow of the Colossus style trick by getting you to go on this journey and then mass murdering all the people trying to save the world and being like, peace. That's incredible. But also as well, it's all about Joel's selfishness. There isn't kind Joel of a greater story. He is not wondering like who gets to choose who lives and dies. He's like, this is my child. I love her. And you are not going to kill her again, Fedra. Fuck you. And it's the difference between, you know, Frank saying to Bill, did you love me? Then love me the way mm-hmm. I want you to. Exactly. And, and Bill listening. Mm-hmm. Joel, will, Joel, if the story plays out the way it does in the game, will never get to the place where he can listen to anything that Ellie has to say because he's always going to feel like I know better. I am the protector. I'm God help anybody who gets in the way of me protecting you. And that's going to take any form that I deem necessary. And I'm going to keep from you all the information that I feel like is dangerous to you or is going to be troubling to you. Um, And to act on, to act on your love for someone is understandable. To do so when the stakes are the extinction of the human race, everybody <laughs> else's family that is out here in the world, them potentially dying, you know, dark centuries of barbarity and and raiders and slavers you know, and all uh, the bad things that are out there. Like, you could end it. Big spoiler alert. That will come back to bite Joel <laughs> yes, in The Last of Us Part Two. He will learn that lesson, that there are other people who have families and other people who and to not, have loved ones. And to not even, like, run it by Ellie. Like, yes. I understand that's a no, fun, no, no. that's a, that's It's a weight and a responsibility that no one should have to bear. But to be like, hey, so here's the situation. Would you have wanted to go through with this if you could have a shot at I think also, I do think that's actually a really interesting point. And I do think it makes the complexity of that ending kind of even more interesting. Because Fedra also don't tell her. Fedra aren't that, like, uh, Fedra they are put bad. her to sleep. Fedra also bad. And yeah. I, I think there's something very interesting in like, I love the way that they chose to make this choice because they put you and make you so complicit. Because it would be easier to make it more sympathetic by like having Ellie wake up and be like, no, I don't want to do this or hear them and say, I I don't want to die. But they don't do that. Joel just tricks her, kills everyone and breezes off and then lies to her. It's it's really interesting. Uh, Yeah, I'm very I'm very interested now with the second season being announced. I'm very happy that they made this as one season. I think that ending has to be the end of this season for it to work. Now, how they're going to play season two, I think, is really the biggest theory. Because, you know, Craig Mazin, I think at the premiere, he was saying that it's more than one season, which I would agree with. But the question is, where do you start? How long do you... How how do you adapt the shocking opening of the second game? How soon do you do it? Right. Uh, it will be very interesting to see. And, I mean, this has been such a huge hit for HBO that I think this is probably a... This is a get making it as soon as you can. I think that this season, Bill and Frank and the way they told that story is going to make the punch of Joel's decision, Mm. whatever it's going to be. It's going to make it even more devastating. They could even do, it's a nine episode season, so they could pull a Game of Thrones and have episode eight be huge and then have the finale be kind of the smaller, more intimate fallout. Similar in tone and vibe to Bill and Frank, which is just him and Ellie driving off afterwards and kind of dealing with the ramifications and, him, and the lies. And him lying and, to her, exactly, straight to her face. Exactly. I mean, I'm so interested to see how they sell it because it is not the hero's journey that we are used to. No, it's like, it, Joel is like, it's like if you entrusted the worst fucking hobbit 
<laughs> with bringing the ring of power to Mount Doom. You know what I mean? Like, like he's the best at killing everybody. He's but... at the end. He's, it's like if you if you just gave it to Gollum and told him to destroy <laughs> yeah, it, because at the end, he's going to keep it. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but it was just, man, the way that that episode Ooh. made me think about the ending of the game is really amazing, and it's just so well written, so well done. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think NASA, not just because, I mean, it's only January, so it's obviously like the best episode of TV we've seen so far. But I mean, that's, unless we have the best year of TV that we've had in like two decades, right. that's going to be on every best of Absolutely. list. Because I mean, the there's just nothing like it. And for Murray and, and Nick, that's that's got to be award system shut down. I mean, they were just so good. Well, end of spoiler conversation. Hopefully it has ended. It has ended now. Go play the game. Go play the game. Go play the game. Up next, Nerd Out. In today's Nerd Out, where you tell us what you love and why, or as you have also kindly been doing, share a very cool theory. The weirder the better, though I have to say, you guys all have very legit theories compared to like my, our tinfoil hat theories. <laughs> Adam pitches a new theory today about Thrawn, one of the characters we talk about so much oh, when yeah. it comes to Star Wars. And if you don't know the character, he first appeared in Timothy Zahn's Thrawn trilogy, and now Timothy came back after he was made canon. And he is just a blue-skinned evil alien that everybody loves to hate. Tactical, strategic genius. Yeah, I mean, he is... Political genius. He's one of the ultimate Star Wars villains, and when he was brought back into canon, it was just such a huge deal. And I think that what Adam is proposing here is is, uh, very realistic. So, Jason, I'll, I'll leave you to read the theory. Okay. Adam writes, After seeing the Skywalker saga, we've all noticed the large number of characters whose absence in the finale is glaring. Dave Filoni is known to be an encyclopedia of Star Wars knowledge and could provide an answer as to why those characters are missing. I postulate. Postulating. That's how it is. Postulating Postulating. right now. I postulate that Thrawn may have recruited them to the Chiss Ascendancy. Dun, dun, dun! (laughs) Uh, He continues, in the Thrawn novels... Thrawn had been recruiting people to the Chiss cause. After the fall of the Empire, Thrawn could no longer see the remnants of the Empire as a possible ally for the Chiss. That's, you know, they were not strong enough. We know from the Mandalorian and Rebels that Ahsoka is actively searching for Ezra and Grand Admiral Thrawn. Thrawn would likely see Ahsoka, Ezra, Grogu, and others as assets mm. to help the Chiss Ascendancy. If he successfully convinces some or all of them to go help the Chiss, that is a plausible explanation for their absence during the rise of the First Order. Wow. Wow! I mean, that would probably be, like, the biggest twist of all time. If when Thrawn showed up, he'd, like, recruited some of people's most favorite Force users to the Chiss (laughs) Ascendancy, everyone would be, like, screaming. I mean, I think with the Ahsoka show... Yeah, I mean, it's it's not long until we see live-action Thorn. It's got to happen, right? People yeah. thought it was going to be Richard E. Grant, which would have been great casting in uh, in the older Rise of Skywalker. But, you know, I think, it's, I think we're going to see it. I think it's going to happen. So we're operating right now in a kind of time period of Star Wars history that is not, it's, you know, post-imperial, mm-hmm. the rise of the First Order. And we don't know a ton of what's going on there. But this would be fascinating. I wonder, man, Thrawn with Grogu? I mean, that would be dangerous. Oh my God, imagine if it was Thrawn who saved Grogu because he wanted to use him. 
I could see Thrawn and Ezra, too. I could see Ezra. You know, Ezra had those kind of flirtations with the dark side, mm-hmm. or at least with a different... No, let's just... It was the dark side. Yeah, it, it was, was the flirt- dark side. You had a flirtation Look, directly with your in the old days, we would have called it the Grey Jedi, but apparently if you say that, now you get in trouble. So I'm going to say a flirtation with dark side. But I could, I could see Ezra working with Thrawn. But I do think something very interesting about this is Grogu rejected the Jedi, chose the Mandalorian way, so he doesn't fit in. Ahsoka rejected the Jedi, did not become a Jedi. Ezra, like you said, has had these flirtations and existed outside of the classic Jedi space. So that is a very interesting read because those are characters with that very specific thing in common. They are not Jedi as we specifically know them. And they kind of have all rejected it at certain points in their journeys. I wonder how much of Thrawn's backstory is going to be canon when they bring yes, him over in I, live action. I I believe that the Zahn original tr- trilogy has been recanonized and he did a new Thrawn he trilogy. New Thrawn, yeah. So we have that to draw from. But yeah, you know me, I'm a Legends, I'm a Legends superstan, a.k.a. the EU. So anything that brings those kind of wild... That wild west of Star Wars storytelling in. I mean, also, we have the Acolyte coming out, which is going to be, you know, uh, through the told through the eyes of a Sith. I think there's a lot of interesting space that we could see some of these Legends characters and a character like Thorne, who is uh, animated canon but has not yet made it to live action, come into play. I would love to see it. I think that when they bring Thorne, that's going to be like a whole kind of different era of Star Wars as we know it. I've got a pitch. I want I want to see a imperial political drama like House of Cards. Okay. But it's Moff Tarkin versus Thrawn, both of them like jockeying for position. Yeah, not a single lightsaber in sight. You're not talking like Andor, but like hyper political. Hyper political, just them like chess moves against each other. Each trying to usurp the other to be like the guy, the guy, <laughs> the number one, the number one guy, uh, and then and then Darth Vader being like the wild card because he thinks he's the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see that. Yeah, I would like to see it. Um, man, that was really really fun, Adam. Thank you so much. Yeah, and if you have those theories or passions that you want to share, you know we've had nerd outs about all kinds of cool stuff, and the theory train is running strong. So hit us up at X-ray at crooked.com. And as always, the instructions are in the show notes. Well, that's it for this really fun episode. What a, what a great episode to record and a fun thing to talk about today. Rosie, any plugs? Yes, I will be writing all kinds of cool stuff. We're coming up to Ant-Man and the Wasp time. Let's go! Uh, you can check out my writing, IGN, Nerdist, Den of Geek, Polygon, all those cool places. You can find me at Rosie Marks on Instagram or Letterboxd. And yeah, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me right here twice a week. Yeah, baby. Wednesdays and Fridays in your podcast feed and other places. We'll talk about that later. Catch the next episode on Friday, February 4th for a little mailbag action. Remember, we are bringing you two episodes a week. Two episodes a week. That's one, two episodes a week. Make a peace sign. That's how many episodes (laughs) a week we are bringing you. And if you like those episodes, then subscribe on YouTube where we are now putting up the whole episodes. And you can follow us on XRV Pod on Twitter and check out our Discord, which we've been shouting out a lot because it's a lot of fun. We've got a ton of great members and they love to talk about all the things we love to talk about we do in watch parties for the last of us and me and jason are there so yeah make sure you check out the discord and show it some love 
uh, five star ratings. We we need them. We gotta have them. We five, love five, them. Five, 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 five. You're giving five. them to us. Here's one from R Crow Detroit. Great, great, great. The opportunity to spend time with Jason and Rosie is truly one of the highlights of my week. Aww, thank you. I am an old school comic collector, sci-fi reader, movie fan. You are my people. Yeah! That's Our it! Pro Find Detroit. us! One of us! Let's one go! Of us. X-Ray Vision is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Chris Lord and Saul Rubin. The show is executive produced by myself and Sandy Gerard. Our editing and sound design is by Vasilis Fotopoulos. Dylan Villanueva and Matt DeGroote provide video production support. Alex Relaford handles social media. Thank you, Brian Vasquez, for our theme music. See you next time! Bye-bye. Joel's got to hang out for a little while, man. What the fuck? Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.